This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. It's the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Don't forget, bet now from anywhere. And those words don't ever ring truer than they do during Super Bowl week. Uh, Going to lead off with the top three good and bad things about the NHL All-Star thingy. Okay, I lied. There was only one good thing, and that was Ovi's kid, who Dominic Hoschik promptly branded a four-year-old war criminal. There were plenty of bad things, and the top three bad things are, number three, the actual three-on-three games. It was typical lame-ass three-on-three, and nobody tried. Number two, Shesterkin let Sarah Nurse score on the Forsberg move. The drag backhand uh, in the breakaway competition. And that's equal parts carny and condescending. If the women's hockey players like Nurse are going to participate, then make them participate. Make them earn it. You want to let Ovi's kids score, that's okay. But don't let Sarah Nurse score and then say how great she is after because that was a total work. And the worst thing about the all-star thingy. Number one, sit in the dunk tank because the NBA would not have done that to Michael Jordan. The whole thing was just carny and cringy. Mitch Marner dressed up as Miami Vice. I thought Marner was pretty cool up until then. But at that very moment, Mitch Marner won the dork off. Joining me now, a veteran of many dork offs, unless I miss my guess, (laughs) he is Tom Offerman. Uh, Tom, we got the Penguins season resuming tonight, and I feel like the Penguins have no chance until Jari is healthy and back in goal, and we keep getting told he's making progress, but when's he going to actually play? Yeah, I think their entire chance of making the playoffs, and I'm not talking about even winning a playoff series, just making the playoffs is riding on Tristan Jari, getting back and being healthy for a majority. Actually, screw that. He needs to be healthy for the rest of the way once he comes back. Yeah. He cannot get injured for and any more time. he has to time. be healthy soon. I mean, we're yes. taping this even as the Penguins get prepared to play the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche with Casey DeSmith in goal. That's on the Tuesday night of this week. And I give them no chance against Colorado with DeSmith in goal. I think the Penguins could go out there and play really well and still lose by a couple or three goals. 
I don't think the Penguins don't know what time it is either and how desperate they need to be because they have so many guys that are veterans and have won cups before. But Colorado definitely does. And they are starting to they were starting to turn it on before the All-Star yeah, they, break. Yeah, they've won seven out of eight now. Yeah, and they're getting healthier, and they had this nice little break to help get healthier. I, I think they're going to come out guns blazes in the second half. They're going to get themselves into a top-three position in their division. I think they'll win their division, actually. You think they'll um, get to the top? Yeah, Colby Armstrong said that, that they're going to come all the way back to win. Would not be surprised. Uh, that division. No, nor, nor would I. And uh, again, by the time you hear this, the game will be over. But I, I don't give the Penguins much of a chance against them with DeSmith in goal. DeSmith has been involved in 21 decisions this year, Tom. Seven wins and 14 losses. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that had Jari played in half those games, the Penguins would have five or six more points and would be sitting a lot better in the playoff race. I think the drop in goaltending from Jari to DeSmith has been that impactful. It just sucks that we have no idea what the timetable is for Jari. Like, we have no idea if he's going to be back in just two games, three games. We, we have no clue because now I'm starting to debate if DeSmith lays an egg tonight against Colorado, which we think he will. They're just going to stick with him. You don't think they'll go to Tokarski They're just going to stick with DeSmith. Then what was the point of upgrading your third-string goalie in the offseason? Well, I'm not sure they did, and if they <laughs> did, there, there, there wasn't one. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not optimistic with, with how things are going. And uh, I know you're not supposed to get mad at a guy because he's hurt. Right. I am mad at Jari. He's hurt too much four times in the past nine months. And, you know, for a guy in a contract year, uh, that's just not acceptable. Now, uh, one good thing, some of the Penguins have healed up during the break. And it looks like the Bluger paling Archibald fourth line will play together now. They're all ready to go. If that line can stay together and healthy, that's a decent fourth line. Decent. Bluger's got to score a little bit more, though. I mean, one goal from Bluger is unacceptable. It's not that line that I'd be worried about, though. It's the third line. The third line is the biggest problem. No, no, no. The reason I'm not worried about the third line, Tom, is because I've given up on the third line. (laughs) So there's just no reason to even fool yourself into hoping that they'll do anything. For the purposes of this discussion, there is no (laughs) third line. Although I will say this. If Carter's ever going to get it going, it's going to be after the break when he's rested and it feels like a new beginning. And, you know, Kapanen, the problem with him is... He does have talent, and that's why I don't blame uh, Sullivan for playing Kapanen. I blame Sullivan more for giving Carter the role he has yes. than for dressing Kapanen because Carter, it's very clear he's done so. With Kapanen, there's always that occasional flash. Yeah, no question. It's time to pull the plug on Jeff Carter and... You're right. Mike Sullivan just won't do it. He's going to be the third-line center, so you have to hope that he gets that second wind in the second half of the season. We've had so many hockey experts come up. Pierre Maguire, one of them, saying these veteran players, once they get past the All-Star break, they can kind of start to see the finish line and they can start to turn it on. But, Mark, they have a lot of games stacked up against each other in the second half of the season. It's a pretty tough schedule against tough teams and a lot of quick turnarounds between games. That's going to hurt veterans more than it helps. Yeah, people talk about the Penguins' games in hand being That might be a bad thing for the first time in seven. 17 years. Yeah, yeah, and, and the Devils, Islanders, Rangers, and Panthers all won Yes, when the league resumed Monday night, and uh, that's not good. But and anyway... if you Sorry, but if you were looking from afar, like as just a casual NHL fan, wouldn't you be more worried about or more impressed with the Sabres, Panthers, and Islanders than the Penguins right now? Well... The, the three teams behind them, the then the team casual NHL fan just going to look at the Penguins' star power for okay, days of that's yore. Fair. But, but I'll put it this way, I'm more impressed right now by the teams you mentioned... Than the Penguins in, but but anyway, that third line to, to make the playoffs, they got to do it despite the third line. Yeah. One other slight 
encouragement. Brian Dumoulin picked it up a bit right before the All-Star break. He got paired again with Chris Letang. If he can play even average, that'd be big. Oh, it'd be massive. His his downfall and how fast it happened really did hurt the team on the blue line. So if he can get any semblance of the former player that he was, it just would be a massive boost and a massive shot in the arm. But at the same time, like, is the blue line really that high on your list of things that you're concerned about right now? Like, I know it hasn't been stellar, but it's not exactly the thing I'm most I'm, worried I'm about. I'm concerned because of the way it's deployed. I don't think they all have to pinch. I don't think they all have to activate. Yes, that's I don't fair. think one size fits all, as Scotty Bowman used to say. Okay, it's time for Good Cop, Bad Cop. What do you got, Tom? Today's Good Cop, Bad Cop is going to be stand-up comedians. It's inspired. Do you ever drive around with Sirius XM Radio and listen to the stand-up yes, stations? Yes, I do. And they just go back and forth? I, I love do. it. It's beautiful. I hate some of them. Exactly, which is why it inspired good cop, bad cop. My good but, cop, but, but I hate some of them to the point where I won't listen to them. Like they're unfunny, is why I hate them. Yeah, like it's streaky for me. Like I'll drive around for two weeks listening to the XM comedy stations, and then I'll be done for a couple months. Like it's it's a very sporadic thing for me. My good cop, I'm gonna go with Bill Burr because he's just been hitting my funny bone a lot lately. But there's so many good cops that I could go B- with. Bill Burr is really good of the, of the new age comedians. I mean, I consider Chappelle to be old guard at this point. Yeah. So Bill Burr of the of the relatively new age comedians, I think he uh, really hits best. I would put Louis C.K. in there, except he's been canceled and kind of is operating in secret right now. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I necessarily want to attach good cop to Louis C.K. right now, but to be honest with you, my favorite stand up comedian of all time is Louis C.K. No one separating art from artists. No one has made me laugh harder in the art than Louis C.K. How about bad cop? Well, this is who the list was inspired by because I cannot stand him when he comes on the shuffle. Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. Awful. It's one of the worst stand-up comedians I've ever heard. All those countrified and, and redneckian. See, I think Ron White's kind of funny And lowbrow. Who's the guy you might be a redneck? Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, he's rotten. I don't like him. Angval, meh. He had that like run run on TBS with the Bill Angval show. Ron White's okay. He's made me laugh or chuckle a couple times on that blue-collar comedy tour, but Larry the Cable Guy is awful. There's you know no I, reason he should be a stand-up comedian. You know who I want to hate because I just don't like her is Sarah Silverman, but she's really she's funny. She's very funny, yeah. yeah. I've seen her live. Oh, she's yeah. Just, she's just incredible. And a great actress, too, like making the, the move into the pictures. I wouldn't go overboard. She's not Katherine Hepburn. <laughs> oh, okay, now moving on. Uh, on my radio show, I'm talking a lot about Super Bowl snacks. Even though this is a great game, we're going to talk about that yes. in in the second podcast of the week. Just a great matchup. But looking at the snacks, define nachos. I think we got to like get a definition of what exactly nachos are. Are they just chips, cheese, and jalapenos? The basics, yes. Like you get at the hockey game, or do you need ground beef or chicken? Guac, sour cream, all the extras. No, the first thing you said is right. It's just the basics that make it nachos. And then the rest is just the accoutrements that go on top to upgrade your nachos. But if you have cheese, chips, and I'll say jalapenos too, then you're operating with a nacho plate. Even cheese and chips, honestly, I might say is nachos. To me, the very basic is chips, cheese, jalapenos, and a side of salsa. Like the 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 nachos grande or supreme or whatever the freak they call them at Penguin Games yeah. that have the two like side pockets, one salsa cheese, cheese yeah. one salsa. Although I prefer the cheese poured over the nachos, not dipping into the cheese. At a Super Bowl party, though, I won't respect you unless you got some ground beef, some chicken on there, some guac, some sour but cream, see, some betraying, salsa, betraying, some beans. You're betraying your initial definition, Tom. No, 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 no. These are just better forms of nachos. You asked me what qualifies them as nachos. At the very base concept, those are nachos. But I want my nachos to be souped up. I want to be riding the Lamborghini nachos. What are the top three Super Bowl snacks? 
Do wings count as a snack in the Super Bowl? Yes. Okay, then I'm Anything, going wings. Any, any food from a Super Bowl, to me, counts as a snack. Because it's not like anybody sits down to like, filet mignon. Okay, I'm going to go wings, number one. Have to have wings. Number two, I'm going to go pigs in blanket. The little mini hot dogs and the croissants. Love those. Ugh. You don't like those very much. Ugh. Number three, it's got to be a dip, right? I'll go with buffalo chick dip. I love buffalo chicken dip. Okay, you're, you're real close to mine. Number one is wings. Yes. Uh, by far. Undisputed champ. Number two is nachos. Okay. Uh, uh, to me, by far over three. And number three, I kind of got a gray area, like chips and dip, even like potato chips and and, and uh, like dill dips, something right, right, like right. that. Uh, or buffalo chicken dip. There's got to be a dip in the top three. A dip is so essential to the Super Bowl. Now, party. let me tell you why I have those in my top three and why no pizza, no burger, stuff like that. Pizza and burgers have an end game. Okay. They're kind of like a meal. Am I right? Yes. Whereas, Whereas the other wings ones you and nachos yeah. go on forever. You can graze. <laughs> you can just, you know, there's, there's, there's no end. I actually prefer for a Super Bowl watch party, like, 13 appetizers as opposed yes. to just a yes. pizza and then two appetizers on the side. Like, give me all the appetizers that you can, like the garlic knots, the mozzarella sticks, the pretzel bites. Mozzarella sticks. All, all of it. Just give me macaroni bites jalapeno across the board. Poppers. Jalapeno poppers. Give me all of it. Like, go to the frozen food section and go to the TGA Friday frozen food appetizer. Just clear it out. Give it to me all. I'd prefer that as my meal throughout the Super Bowl then. Let's get a large pizza and then wings. Um, you know what else you got to have? Bakery. There has oh, to be some kind of bakery for near the end. Such a good call. Like, like, and in particular, brownies. If you make, brownies or chocolate chip cookies. Brownies. Or M&M's cookies. I actually like to go with a cookie cake sometimes. You know, go to Giant Eagle. Oh, just get big, a big-ass cookie cake. Cookie. Yeah, with the frosting on it. That's a perfect one. But I agree with you. If you get brownies, maybe some ice cream, too. A little vanilla ice cream to go with the brownies. I'm a huge ice cream guy. I am, too, but too messy in that context. Okay. I could, I could definitely see what you're saying And one there. thing I will say, when you eat the bakery... You're done eating everything else. The bakery is the end of the road. That is the end game of a Super Bowl party. Fourth quarter. That's yeah. when you're eating the bakery stuff. Yeah. Now, what happens if you eat the bakery and the game goes to overtime? I think you're in trouble then. I think you got to eat more of the bakery to try to keep you yeah, away. Good call. Good call. Go double in on the brownies. Now, uh, uh, my final word on Super Bowl parties is there's only one acceptable beverage during the Super Bowl, and it's beer. Yes. Nothing else. And, and I'm a guy, I drink a lot of water. My favorite drink currently, besides Coors Light, is... Uh, Tito's, cranberry juice, mm. a splash of club soda. But I just don't feel like anything but beer, uh, like I said, Coors Light, is acceptable during the Super Bowl. Now, will it be acceptable to have like a glass of water with the beer when you're eating like the wings and when you're just to, you know, wash down the flavor sometimes? Sometimes you need that water to keep you going. I think you're treading on shaky ground there. Okay. So I'll just keep it to the beer then. Just beer. Just all beer. I gotcha. Mean, you're not going to get arrested, Tom, no, if you have not. water. But yeah, I. And to be fair, beer doesn't necessarily hydrate, not like water. You're right, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, if you have a very spicy wing, beer is better to eliminate the spice from your mouth than water. Water's just going to spread that around and make it worse. So beer I, it is. I might add as that, I ta- that we taped this, I've been on a strict diet for seven days. This is day six. I did like a seven-day, not that I've been eating way off the diet, but but I'm going to Atlantic City to Chef Vola, oh. my favorite Italian restaurant, and I'm eating at 2825, which is the... Other big Italian restaurant in Vola in Atlantic City. Finally got a reservation there. So you're planning your intake ahead. Right. And then there's a Hooters in Atlantic City. Wow. And then back to Pittsburgh for a Super Bowl party at the Bottle Shop Sunday. So it's like Armageddon this weekend when it comes to your your Well, you know what what I'll do? When it comes to those four events, I won't probably eat it all otherwise. 
Okay, so that's it pretty much. Kind of like what the the intermittent fasting that people do where they don't eat anything at all and then they eat a this ton at the end really of the night. a really unhealthy, poor example of that. <laughs> where but you yeah, do day to day. It's kind of like that. Okay, five guys. What do you got? All right, today's five guys are five guys in movies that made the ultimate sacrifice, laid their life down to save the greater good. Number five, we're just going to move right past it because I got to put them on the list, but you hate everything about these movies. Tony Stark in Avengers Endgame laid himself down to save the world. Okay. What, you're talking about the character dying? Yes, the character in okay. the movie died. All right, number four. When you actually start Wait, did, to care did, about did this. Did he die? Yeah, at the end of Endgame. But I thought they brought him back after that. Not yet. They probably will, though, because they always bring people back in those kind of movies. So they killed Robert Downey Donnie Jr.'s Donnie character. character's dead, yes. That's weird. He killed himself to save the world. That's great. He's an American hero, just yeah. like all these people. Yeah, but, well, I mean, not that Robert Downey Jr. needs the money. You, you know, I always kind of flinch when a guy who's a great actor, and he is a great actor, Gets involved in the easy superhero paycheck stuff. He was really the catalyst of it all starting, though, with Iron Man when it first came out. Like, without him killing that role and being as great as he was, I don't know if the MCU as it is today is possible. Well, but there were superhero movies long before him, there Tom, were, just was but, kind of B-listy type actors. Right, exactly. Like Christopher Reeve. Nobody knew who Christopher Reeve was Although before you look he was Superman. Batman, Keaton. I mean, Keaton was a pretty good actor back then. To, oh, and, real good and Nicholson, actor. Of t- and of Nicholson, of course. And Nicholson is the Joker, yeah. So, so one thing I've learned about, about doing these podcasts, Tom, and radio, never prove yourself wrong within seconds of making a statement. It's good advice done, for me in the future. You've done just that. What else you got? All right, number four, Rowdy Roddy Piper's character in They Live. George Tremendous. Nada. Amazing. Tremendous. Especially because I... I was Ron Roddy a lot. Yeah. He was playing Roddy. In the movie. Oh, for sure he was. <laughs> you know, I came uh, here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. No, uh, chew bubblegum out of bubblegum, you know. <laughs> uh, that that probably was a pretty bad imitation. When, when I was around him, like, weekly, I could knock him off just bang like that. It was tremendous. Yeah, I, that was a great movie. By An the incredible way. I mean, movie. Like, like uh, definitely a B movie. But a good B sci-fi movie. That honestly makes it, I think in time it elevates it to an A. It's just great at the end when he decides to lay himself down, where he realizes he's he's done for. He's got They're going to shoot him from the helicopter. He's got to take out the antenna. He just goes, ah, F it. Just shoots it and then gets lit up. There's some irony there because Roddy hated to do jobs in wrestling. <laughs> he was steadfast, in fact. Uh, not so much later in life when he got to us, but boy, early on, WWF, Hogan. That's why Roddy never had the lengthy feud with Hogan. He, he just didn't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Number three, Walt Kowalski, Gran Torino, Clint Eastwood's character. Yeah, refresh my memory. How's he? So the gang is obviously tormenting oh, the neighborhood. Right, that's right, so that's he right. goes in front of the house. He pulls out the cigarette, and they all like kind of flinch with their guns. And he's like, "Ah, oh, little jumpy, huh?" And then he goes to reach in. He starts saying the Hail Mary, and he goes real slow to reach into his vest. Well, he asks him for a light for a cigarette first. He's like, "I got a light." And he pulls it out real fast like a gun, and they light him up, and it's just a Zippo lighter. So they all get arrested, and the entire neighborhood has decided to be witnesses for them murdering Clint Eastwood's character. So he lays himself down to save the neighborhood. How old was Clint Eastwood when he did that? Ooh, he's 93 now. He was in his 80s, right? Yeah, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, he. I honestly can't recall a movie he was in that I didn't like. Oh, you love Gran Torino, right? Great movie. Yeah. It's a phenomenal yeah. Uh, movie. I only saw it the one time, though. I mean, like, even some of the stuff he did, like, Every Which Way But Loose and some of the crap he did with Sandra Locke, who was his girlfriend, although her appearance in the uh, Dirty Harry series was tremendous. I've never been into the Dirty Harry series. I should go in on those. I should shoot you now just for not being into Dirty Dirty Harry. Harry. Do you feel lucky? Okay, what else you got? All right, number two, Russell Case, Independence Day, Randy Quaid's character. Hello, boys. I'm back. Which, and that was basically Randy Quaid playing himself. Playing himself again, yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. Once he 
killed them by making their doomsday dice Im- device implode upon itself. Against them, yes. Why wouldn't they have all communicated among their among their ships and say, hey, don't open up the doomsday device, deal with them every other way but that? I'll tell you exactly we'll figure why. figure that out later. I'll tell you exactly why. Their communications were down because of Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith flying up to the mothership and uploading the virus, so they couldn't communicate to each other. They threw them all into disarray. They used their satellites against them. Okay, but when the, the mothership exploded... yes. Wouldn't that have cut all the power to the ships uh, hovering over Earth and had them had them you know fall out of the sky? That's potentially could happen, but then it's basically the same end result that you're looking for anyway. You don't even have to shoot the the ultimate doomsday device; it just falls out on its own. Well, it could have saved Randy Quaid. <sighs> Unfortunately, Randy Quaid had to lay his life down. You know, Robert Loggia is the uh, command is like the general. Was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Get I, on the radio. Tell everybody <laughs> how to shoot those sons of bitches down. I kept thinking of him as Feech in The Sopranos. Although, <laughs> what was first, Independence Day or him as Feech? I'm not sure, but 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 I I've watched both so many times. I watch Independence Day not over and over because I hate Will Smith. But it's got to be your favorite movie he's in, right? It's a gripping movie, yeah. no question. How about he didn't appear? In the second one, the, the sequel, because he wanted his kid to be the star and the hero. Yeah, that's absurd. He needs to at least make a cameo at the end. Because Goldblum was in, right, for the second one? I forget. I think he came back and was, in. I never, was in. I never saw the second the one. The president, he was like He's crazy. insane though, right? He's insane, yeah. yeah. Which makes sense. He would go, go insane. Oh, post-traumatic stress disorder. All right, number one, greatest American hero in movie history, fictional, Harry Stamper in Armageddon. I didn't like that movie. You didn't like Armageddon. No, and I'll tell you why. It's very, like, campy. Like, it's a funny movie for how doomsday it is. Let me tell you why I hate it. Because Aerosmith did a campy song as part of the soundtrack. That's right. And I hate that Aerosmith did that. They hate that they did it, too. But yet they perform it in concert because they're expected to. There are a bunch of songs. This would be a good a good list to do someday. Songs where the group did the song just to get a hit. But they regret it. But they like, hate it, yeah. Like Aerosmith. I mean, they've never said out loud they hate that song, but I think they do. Um, Foreigner with I Want to Know What Love Is. Uh, okay. Dennis Elliott, the group's original drummer, said, we alienated a quarter of our audience by doing that song. I, wow. I, I think there's sometimes a group compromises itself to get a hit, and yeah. it's not worth getting the hit. No, I know what you mean, but it's surprising that you don't like that movie overall. It's just such a great ensemble cast of just... Bruce Willis, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, Aerosmith's daughter, or Steven Tyler's daughter. It plays the female lead opposite of Ben Affleck. Did you know that uh, her, her her mother was B.B. Buell, who was a Playboy model today? And she was living with Todd Rundgren, another musician. Bang on the drum, yeah. When she got knocked up by uh, Steven Tyler, and Todd wow. Rundgren and her raised Liv Tyler as I... their daughter until years and years later, which it was a tough thing to hide because she looks just like Steven looks Tyler. Looks just like Steven Tyler, yeah. I, I think I do vaguely remember going down like a U- or a Wikipedia rabbit hole and reading about that situation that Todd Rumgren raised her pretty much. Yes. From- you know what, you know what uh, Steven Tyler told Bebe when she was pregnant? Bebe, that baby better not have big lips and droopy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough. Walked right into that one. Okay, so that's five guys. Um uh, now, uh, I hate to get Steeler talk into this and ruin Ugh. the show, but uh, there's a rumor the Steelers may cut Trubisky. Good idea or bad? I think it's a bad idea, but I also am weary of Trubisky and, and actually, needing to realize what he is now as a backup quarterback. There are conflicting reports, by the way, because Dulac says they want to keep him. 
But I, I've, I've read also that he may be a cap casualty. See, here's the thing. Take emotion out of it. you got to keep the guy. Right, but he has to take emotion out of it, too. Exactly. That's where I'm hung up and on And he it. feels lied to. Absolutely. And he was lied to. Just like Rudolph was lied to. But does he also take some time to decompress, go to like Turks and Caicos with his wife and his kid and, and relax a little bit and say, am I done being a potential starter in the NFL? And I'm getting paid pretty good money to be here in Pittsburgh and be Yeah, but what if they want to cut his salary some? Screw him. I say no. What are they going to do? Trade? Cut him? Okay, then I kind of get what I wanted anyway. You're kind of... you. I think he holds all the See, cards I, here. I... Well, ordinarily, I'd say that I wouldn't want to work for somebody who lied to me, but I've done it for years. Not here. I mean, seriously, not here. And if you're making fourteen, that's mil. not totally true either. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, see, Rudolph's leaving, but he's going to get no better no. if he gets a job at all. Trubisky will be a backup somewhere. I, I don't know. I mean, like honestly, if I were him, I'd want out. I would feel really hard done by because I know for sure he was told that. Uh, he was going to be the starter through the bye week. So even if he does have the come-to-Jesus moment where I'm a backup forever, you think he'd just prefer to be that backup elsewhere than the place that lied to his face? I think I would be. Put it that way. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot of money, though, that the Steelers owe him. Even if he does negotiate it down some, he'd still be one of the highest-paid backup quarterbacks in the NFL in this current situation. At any rate, I'm tired of talking about it. Are you a fan very of, boring. Are you a fan of Super Bowl commercials? I think they have kind of... Jump the shark? Is that what they call that That reference to Fonzie and Happy Days? Yes, it is. Yes, of course. I, I, it's just old now to me, and uh, they've kind of become too overhyped, and I hate that they're teasing them now. Like, I hate that two yeah, weeks like, in advance like, we get, like, eight seconds of one like to see the reveal. The beer commercial based on Caddyshack. Yeah. It, it's very good, but I, I would have rather seen it all during the Super Bowl. That said, I don't pay attention during the Super Bowl. What I do is I wait and see what commercials get... High praise, then I go back and watch them online. Yes, which is also how like shows like SNL work now. Like if a skit's really funny, you're gonna see that get filtered to social media, and you're gonna have to be able to watch that on your time, not watching the show. Another Super Bowl example this year is the Cam Hayward one, where he's like a bellhop with Aiden Hutchinson, the rookie from Detroit, and he's like in the hall, and he's like, "What's the I plan?" Seen that. He's like, "What's the plan?" And they look through the peephole, and then it cuts, and they go see the rest after halftime on February 12th. It's like, come on, like can't we just reveal the whole thing after halftime on February 12th and make it fresh? The only way Cam's getting to a Super Bowl. Uh, I do like the the Caddyshack series, though. I, I like Bill Murray's cameo. I like Danny Noonan's cameo. Tony Romo as as Bill Murray or as uh, Carl Spackler. Not great. Not great. Okay, but not great. Brian Cox as Judge Smales. Tremendous. Serena Williams is uh, is is uh, Ty Webb. Nah. Yeah, I'm out on that too. Have you seen both versions of Tony Romo? The one where he's doing the. 18th Queen's Masters Champion one. Have you yeah, seen I've that, seen one? that one? And then the other one is obviously where he like opens the Michelob Ultra bottle under the tree. Oh, I thought that was Bill Murray. No, that's Tony Romo. Oh, well, in that case, I take back what I said. Is about there the... no Bill Murray cameo? No, anything? I thought no you were Bill looking like in the crowd somewhere. There is a Danny Noonan. Yes. He, Michael O'Keefe. He gives her the advice. He gives Serena Williams the advice at the end. Now, are you a fan of the halftime show? Rihanna? No, any halftime show. Uh, it depends on the artist, obviously. Like, Rihanna has hits that I grew up listening to. It used, I'll, to, I'll be, to, it used to be in a classic rock phase. Yes. Heck, before that, it was Up With People, the youth singing dance group. And before that, it was A Dog With A Frisbee in college marching bands. I'd so, be into that coming back. Or like a Battle of the Network Stars kind of thing happening. Which, by the way, that not that what Pro Bowls and All-Star Games are becoming now? It's just Battle yes. of the Network Stars without the charisma of the Network Stars. <laughs> Right, without the star power. <laughs> right. without like, and, and, and we should remember, athletic star power is different than showbiz star power. Absolutely. They're which, doing is sh- what, 
which is why athletes can never cross over into into that kind of showbiz. Right. So in theory, what they're doing is cool because they're doing showbiz type stuff, but they don't have the charisma around the the talent to deliver that vehicle to the audience and have it be consumed in a positive way. It just looks carny. I believe the best halftime show ever was the Rolling Stones in 2006 when the Steelers won at Detroit. They were the halftime show. I think the best Super Bowl halftime hijinks ever, it's a tie. One was last year when the Bengals kicker, McPherson. Was out there watching. Out there watching, <laughs> yeah. And the coaches were mad. Yeah. And he's still the kicker this I year. Would so be I would I guess they No, he should have been in the locker room, no question. But he wanted to see Snoop and Dre. And uh, I forget the year. It was early 2000s. Aerosmith performed. Okay. And Britney Spears came out along with a couple other, you know, different, you know, Latter Day stars to help with Walk This Way. And Tyler and Perry stared her down like a wolf looking at a lamb chop. Because <laughs> at that time she was a teenager, I think, still. And yeah. she might have been the best looking woman on the face of the planet. There was a period of time. I, I like to uh, cut uh, eras up where best looking woman during that time. Right. And Britney Spears had probably a two or three year window, and she's still pretty hot now, even though she's nuttier than an outhouse rat. My favorite Super Bowl halftime performance ever was Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson because I was like eight years old and that was the first nipple I ever saw. You know, that cost her her career. Yeah, oh she yeah. She really, and, and that wasn't Justin fair. Timberlake threw her way down under a bus on that one. It was bad. Justin Timberlake actually came back to do another Super Bowl halftime. Uh-huh, yeah. And her career he just... skated by while she just plummeted. Her career just faded. That that was just that that was just awful. I mean, I you know, I, don't, I thought her talent was always overrated being... A member of the Jackson family in the first place. But she still would have been able to ride that to this day. Oh, no A question. lot better than she has now. Did you know uh, the first like pop culture Super Bowl halftime show was Michael Jackson? No, I didn't know that. I mean, unless I misread the list, but I, I want to say it was like 1993 or somewhere huh. in there. Interesting. That makes sense. That would have probably been a phenomenal show. Prince had a really good halftime show, right? Where it started raining when he was doing Purple in Rain. In terms of actual performance. He was phenomenal. That might have been the best Super Bowl okay. halftime show ever. Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a moment where I wanted to jump through the, the, the TV and strangle the person at halftime. Bruce Springsteen performed, and he was bitching on Mike that they wouldn't let him play longer. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Jersey dipstick. You're a big star, but you're not bigger than the Super Bowl. <laughs> no one wants you to play longer, so we delay the Super Bowl. But he was very sincere in in that desire. He was like that Don McLean song, American Pie. The marching band literally refused to yield at that point. He was not going to get off the field. I think if he hadn't, he'd have yielded. He'd have yielded for sure. That's Tom Offerman. Everybody get out those Super Bowl snacks. But we'll talk more on the podcast later this week about the Super Bowl itself, even though I do think these snacks are much more important. It's the Mark Man Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Bet now from anywhere, I beseech thee. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.